Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi and welcome to SEL, the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from RobNumphoto.com and this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. Well, I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas and New Year. Did I do an episode after Christmas? I think I did. I might have done. Can't remember. Isn't the year going fast? It's the end of January already. Um, The weather's been pretty terrible here in the UK. We've uh, had rain every single day. There's flooding all over the south of England um, and there were power cuts at Christmas. Um, I I, I guess the only silver lining (laughs) is the fact that I work for a company who we sell lots of water pumps to help people out. So uh, lots of floods is really good to us because it had been a little bit quiet to be honest because it hasn't been very cold. Um, so I haven't really been selling many space heaters but that's kind of kicked in and uh, it's just great to be able to help people uh, by supplying them with the pumps uh, petrol pumps, water pumps, sub pumps that people need to defend their houses from uh, from all this uh, all this rain that's coming in so well I'm re- recording this obviously uh, for the podcast to go over the RSS feeds for iTunes and all the, uh, the pod pickers out there but I'm also transmitting live over YouTube again doing a Google live hangout so uh, you may well be watching the video on YouTube and to all the audio listeners out there if you hear me pause or mumble I'm still kind of getting too used to this technology but I'd recommend if you fancy having a look at the video in fact well I don't know if watching the video is always the best way of listening to the podcast because it's quite a static thing. All it is is a picture, is a video of me talking to the camera, and occasionally I'll bring in some some screen sharing and stuff like that. Um, but it's still quite basic at the moment. I'm no Leo Laporte with lots of different things going on. But what I have invested in is a brand new webcam. I've kind of struggled for a long time. Um, coming up with it with a decent way of recording videos that's also simple um as you probably know if you've listened to the podcast or, or looked at the uh, youtube channel recently you'll know that for christmas i got a brand new canon 600d uh, rebel t3i dslr which does hd video which is really fantastic takes amazing video because you, you know broadcast quality video but it's a little bit tricky to set up when you're trying to video yourself because you've got to set up the camera on a tripod you've got to flip the screen around you've got to get everything right and then you know record it and it can only record for I think it's 20 minutes um, and then you've got to obviously download the file and do everything and I really like using a webcam with my computer because I can just record record it straight to the hard drive or in this case record straight to YouTube and and transmit live kind of thing Um, but uh, although I got a new laptop just before Christmas which is fantastic the webcam on it was a bit poor and it doesn't really handle um, poor light very well and obviously when you're recording things in your house 
um, most of the time the light is pretty pretty crappy unless you've got you know hot lights that you can use um, so I thought right Amazon uh, I think a couple of weeks ago we're doing a, an offer on the Logitech C920 uh, which is a full HD 1080p autofocus webcam it's meant to be one of the best out there and I thought no that's it it was £40 I'm going to invest in that and that's what I'm using now and uh, it can handle strange lighting very very well a really good thing about it is you can adjust the white balance yourself and the exposure but even with the Logitech C920 I've had quite a lot of problems um, mainly with recording videos locally because one of the things I really enjoyed doing is recording videos and sharing them on YouTube maybe they're instructional videos reviews on kit cameras all sorts of things I enjoy doing it I record them and I, I put them on YouTube but I kept getting lag between what the camera was recording on my face and what my lips were doing and apologies if you're seeing this on this video because the same thing's happening I've um I think I've sussed it now in the fact that I'll, even though I've had my uh, laptop for quite a while I didn't know that it had it, it was being restricted if you like it was like a car with a an exhaust that was too restrictive because when I first started using my laptop you know you, you're a bit concerned about battery life aren't you and how long it's going to last and I noticed that under Windows 8 there's these little options where you can you can say uh, do a battery saver on it or you can just do a uh, a balanced uh, power plan and I thought well that's good isn't it that's really it's really cool so you know when I'm on battery power I can say save loads of power and then when I'm on uh, on the mains I can say use the balanced plan what I didn't realize there's also a high performance one which doesn't restrict the processor at all and you get the full performance of the of the computer and this one I think's got a uh, it's an i5 processor on, you know, which should be fast enough to do all this stuff. So once I'd done that, and I turned off a lot of the automatic uh, controls of the webcam, it seems to be recording at 1080p without much lag. I think there's a little bit, if you look at the YouTube videos on the stream, and if you look closely, that it is slightly behind. But um, what I'm doing for this one, to give the computer a little bit of um, leeway and also because I'm obviously uploading this at the same time as I'm recording it, I'm recording it at 720p so it'll be interesting to see uh, what quality what quality it comes out at so yeah so with this new with this new webcam I've been um, been recording lots of videos and I would say if you haven't done so already go to uh, rubdownphoto.com and on the right hand side about halfway down there's some links to the YouTube channel and you might find something that's interesting I've done quite a few videos so far about the 600D T3i with different types of lenses um, I'm going to be recording hopefully if I've got enough time some more this afternoon and definitely some more tomorrow what I'm really doing is trying to get as much content recorded on video and uploaded to YouTube um, and then I'll expand on these videos on rubnumphoto.com now the videos do stand alone by themselves but the only thing that they're missing really is I might well be talking about some lenses or some techniques and there aren't really any example photos at the end of the videos which you'll know if you look at my videos you know I really like to do that but what I'll be doing is I'll be adding those into the blogs when I put them on rubnumphoto.com rubnum, uh, so, so that should be good as well another thing that's actually been keeping me busy as well excuse me just having a sip of coffee there is um, my uh, contract on my mobile phone is due for renewal uh, this well we're still in January now aren't we it's the oh no it's the first of uh, February in February sometime over the next few weeks and I've had the HTC no I haven't I've had the Samsung Google uh, 
Galaxy Nexus phone, um, which has been quite a nice phone. I've enjoyed using it. Um, it's a nice big screen compared to what I did have before, which is a HTC Desire, which two years ago. But phones have moved on quite a lot. Um, I mean, it's still you know it's still snappy enough, and all I have to do every now and then is do a factory reset, you know, and it's great. And in fact. Probably about a year into owning it, I managed to crack the screen down the middle with a hairline crack. But I put a screensaver on it. It's been fine ever since. Never really gave me any problems. Never had any problems with memory running out, which is what you have on the old HTC Desire. Um, the only thing that I didn't really like about it that much was the camera used to take quite a while to turn on, and it took okay pictures outside, but not great pictures inside. What really bugged me about it, however, was the video. If you recorded a video, that lip sync problem would come up as well. And so your videos would go out of lip sync. And if you've ever done any video editing, you know that one of the most pain in the ass things to deal with is lip sync problems on videos, because it can be quite tricky to, to sort them out. Um, so anyway, what I've been doing, you'll know me and the fact that I've... <laughs> Uh, if somebody hadn't, if Victor hadn't nabbed the name already, um, I could well be called the skimp photographer. Everything is done on a budget. So what I did was I've written to lots of phone companies saying, look, my name's Rob from RobDownPhoto.com. I have quite a few viewers on YouTube, quite a few views. Um, send me a phone. And luckily enough, um, these guys, uh, HTC UK, have sent me a HTC One Max, which is one of these new types of um, ooh, one of these new types of uh, phablet phones I guess you would call it um, there we go come on let's get in so it's absolutely massive now this probably isn't any good if you're listening to this on the uh, audio podcast but if you're looking, listen, looking at this on the video you go oh wow what a huge phone if I, in fact if I hold up the HTC uh, sorry the um, Galaxy Nexus next to it You'll see that it is absolutely massive. It's a six-inch display on this phone. Um, it's got, I think, it's got two gigabytes of RAM. It's got 16 gigabytes of storage. Um, it's got a beautiful HD display. Um, probably the most amazing thing about it is the battery life. I think it has a 3,300 milliamp hour battery, which means that you cannot make it go flat during the day. You just, you just can't do it. Um, it's um it just keeps going and going and going and I've even been stress testing like having the Bluetooth on all day, um, uh, having it able to sync all day. Um, I've been playing movies on it, uh, putting the GPS on for an hour, and still from seven in the morning until ten o'clock at night, there's still lots of power left. Um, what I'm doing now is actually I'm doing a, a stress test on it where I've got the power saver mode on it. I've got Wi-Fi on. I've got it's attached to the the mobile network. Um, and um, I'm just seeing, I mean, it's been on since half past six this morning and the battery level is still showing full, which is amazing because with my Galaxy Nexus and my HTC Desire, one of the big bugbears, and if you've got a smartphone, you'll know this, one of the big bugbears is they run out of battery halfway through the day if you're using them, you know, even at work when I don't use it that much. Maybe I'm only checking my emails every now and again, surfing the internet and stuff, you know, by after lunchtime, if you've started your day early like at half past six seven o'clock in the morning you need to charge it up and the fact that this phablet this um this phone can keep going you know i love it it's fantastic um it's very very big i don't want to give it back to be honest so um, i'm gonna do lots of uh, reviews on it because it you know it, it d does everything i keep throwing at it and i love having more re real estate i know iphone users out there go all oh, these big android phones they're not you know they're a bit they're a bit odd aren't they they're a bit strange but i tell you what they're um 
I, I love the big phones. Uh, I think they're great. Maybe my maybe I'm getting older. My eyes need uh, need stuff like that way. Um, tell you what I'm going to do, which is quite a little bit odd. What is going on? Nothing there. So don't worry about that, everybody. So what was I talking about? I was talking about my yeah the HTC One Max phone. Very very good. If you're in the market for a new phone, go and have a I'd say have a look at one in the store first before you buy because they are very very big. And you might think, well, this is too big. Um, right, I got something yesterday. Really important. I think that I've been missing out for a long long time, a long long time. And this is the is a printer. Um, we've had an Epson Stylus C82 probably for the past eight years, I think. And uh, for the past several years, it's only really printed in one colour. So I thought, sod it. We had a good payday uh, this month. But I say good. It was you know, a little bit, a tiny little bit more than we normally get. And I thought, right. Well, Oliver needs a. He's, Oliver's in his last year at normal school now. Begin on to college uh, uh, next next year. And he, we really need to have a printer all the time. He's having to go into a school and print his work out of school. And that, I know that's a right pain. So I thought, no, let's buy a printer. I, I don't want to spend more than a hundred pounds. Um, and I looked on Amazon, looked on... I wanted a Canon one as well, because, you know, I'm a bit of a Canon fanboy. And I ended up um, going with a 3-in-1, because I thought a scanner might be useful, because for... Uh, I know I have got a flatbed scanner, but it's a pain to get it out and clag it all up. Um, but so, so I thought, no, I'll get a 3-in-1, so it's a scanner, a copier, and a printer. Had a quick look on the reviews on Amazon of the ones that uh, Argos and... Uh, Curry's PC World had in stock and they were around about the same price as Amazon maybe about £10 more and I went for the Canon Pixma MG5550 um, and I also got some printer paper and some 6x4 printer paper at the same time um, and I tell you what I set it up last night on the wireless network and it was so easy I just took it out of the box took the packaging off um, put the cartridges in, turned it on, it tells you what to do on a little screen. I had to run down and press a button on our router, then go upstairs, back upstairs and press a button on the printer, and it connected to the network, installed a few programs on everybody's laptops from the Canadis, but I th even think that you don't have to do that, but I did anyway, and then we were printing straight away. And I tell you what, if you, you listeners out there and watchers out there have already got wireless printing in your homes are probably thinking well how boring but if you if you haven't had wireless printing before it is amazing <laughs> it really is good the fact that anywhere in the house you can go press the well you've got to go make sure there's the proper pa papers in the printer but you can uh you can you can print print it off and i uh, absolutely love it and i think this year is going to be the year where i'm going to print a lot more of my photographs you know maybe even if it's just as proofs you know to print out a six by four or an a4 piece of uh, uh, photo paper to use it as proof to then send it off to a lab but I tell you what I've printed out some 6x4s already and they look pretty damn good they look as good as the photos from the Dicer printer I've got the little um, 6x4 Canon selfie CP780 um, I think it was um, obviously I'll have to do a proper review where I, I get some more paper and ink for that one and we can compare them but you know, just looking at them, the 6x4s I printed out, they look really nice, really nice. So uh, if you've got any experience of Canon printers, and also maybe if you've got experience of using non-Canon inks in Canon printers, because the replacement inks are so expensive, then uh, that would be that would be really good. Right, quick uh, drink of coffee. Ah, that's nice, that's nice. Just check everything's recording, okay. Audacity, yes, you're still going along back to the... Yeah, it seems to be recording okay there. So, um, 
what are we going to talk about next? Ah, yes, the next photo assignment. So for the last two months, the assignment has been the season of goodwill, and there has been some amazing work going on over on um, over on Flickr. I'll put a link to the uh, the Flickr thread in the uh, in the show notes over at robnoutonphoto.com for SEO. Uh, 230 but really good work everybody fantastic I hope that these assignments help you get out there and, and shoot some photos that maybe you wouldn't have done um, or it might just help you to enjoy sharing the photos with, with everybody but thank you everybody for taking part and it's time for a new one isn't it and I thought I know I'm probably being a bit lazy here but I thought let's just have a really simple um, one for, for, for the next couple of months let's just call it winter winter so go and shoot anything to do with winter maybe something that means you cut makes you feel cold makes you feel wet maybe it's snow maybe it's ice maybe it's anything a black and white of a building someone who looks cold um, i don't know anything to do with winter i'll do a new thread over on the rubnonphoto.com flicker uh, site and um yeah and post them in um and hopefully you know when these next couple of months are over then we'll be start thinking about spring but I don't know I mean in the UK I mean here on the south coast we haven't had any snow yet um, and this time last year I think around about January the 17th we had snow that was lying um, for a good couple of days so maybe we're going to have a, a later winter and uh, we'll uh, we'll just have to see we'll just have to see uh, see what happens that way um, now what was it oh yes right so the next thing i'd like to do is is i do get quite a few questions emailed to me um some go on the rubnonphoto.com blog and quite a through quite a few come through youtube as well so i thought it might be an idea i do this tend to do this every couple of episodes but it might become more regular because i seem to be getting a lot more questions on youtube we'll just answer some questions they might if people have answered asked these questions it may well help uh you guys and girls out there as well so the first one was an email and it's from Malcolm Paul and he says or asked um, Dear Rob, I hope you can help. I've just seen your video on the Kenro Reflector X7 scan which is really helpful. And the Kenro Reflector X7 scan is one of those standalone little scanners that kind of looks like a small pillbox and you put your uh, negs in and it scans them and saves them to an SD card. And he goes on to say, I was looking for a scanner like this, but had tried one before and found that it did not quite scan 100% of a 35mm neg, which means you can miss some detail if your photo subject is near the edges. Do you know whether the reflector scans 100% of a 35mm neg, or does it clip the edges a bit, i.e. only does about 95%? Thanks in advance, Malcolm. Well, my answer was, well, a 35mm negative is 36mm by 24mm. And according to the specifications, the X7 scan can do 36.5mm by 24.3mm, so it should do slightly more. But from having the unit from Kenro to review a few months ago, I can't remember having to crop any of the scans, which makes me think either that the X7 was spot on every time, which is unlikely, and the fact that I was lining them up unlikely, or maybe it scanned slightly tighter. But one thing I would say is it is it wasn't an issue for me as none of my 35mm SLRs that I use have got 100% viewfinder so when you look through the viewfinder to compose your scene and put your subject in the scene there's always a little bit around the edges that you're not looking at anyway it's only really high-end pro cameras that have 100% views um, and obviously if I'm using like a rangefinder like the um, 
like that Russian one I was using, the uh, Zorki, or a uh, viewfinder camera like a Trip 35, or any sort of compact that's got a separate window, you know, it's a bit of an approximation anyway, isn't it? What you get, so you kind of all tend to get a little bit more than you see anyway. Um, so I wouldn't really worry about it if I had the money. Um, I would go out, and there wasn't lots of other things I need to buy first. I would go out and I would buy one of those, um, one of those standalone scanners, because they're just so convenient when you, when especially when you develop your own black and white film at home, because you just do your developing in the kitchen, you know, in your pattern tanks, nice and easy. And it was always, it's always a pain when you come to scanning, because you know we've got a small house, I haven't got the space to keep a scanner out on the table all the time. You've got to get your flatbed scanner out, you've got to do your scanning, it takes forever. Whereas with, with that Kenro one the X7 uh, reflector you know you, you can sit there and while you're watching TV you can just be feeding the negatives in and it's saving to an SD card which is then put in your camera and then you can work with straight away so recommend it indeed so the next question or comment is about the Canon RC5 infrared remote shutter release and Peregrine Studio well that's his YouTube name anyway says my IR remote works from behind when shooting through a double glaze window I guess it bounces off the glass and starts stop shooting video. Well, that's true. I always found it a bit odd with um, with DSLRs and cameras and the fact that the little window, the little receiver they have for your infrared remote control to, to start and stop them, to, to ship fire the shutter, is just on the front. I, I don't understand why they didn't put another one on the back as well, so that when you were behind the camera, maybe, or to the side, you could you could zap it. But you will find that infrared, if the angles are light, right, will bounce off all sorts of things, shiny surfaces mainly, like glass or metal and stuff like that. But you've, you, know, you can be surprised, it can bounce off ceilings and walls as well. Um, but the other problem you often find with infrared is even when you're standing right in front of it pressing the button it doesn't go off they can, I find they can be a little bit hit and miss but maybe it's because I tend to always buy um, sort of cheap ones off eBay and uh, maybe the batteries are going flat too so the next question or comments is about the Watson model 135mm built bulk film loader um, I got a bulk film loader from from the local car boot sale oh, a good couple of years ago now and lo and behold it actually had a load of film in it and also came with a little tin of extra film which I managed to ruin most of it by opening the tin and didn't realise um, but anyway I used the film and if you've been around a while you know I had, I've got all these uh, shots on flicker of slightly fogged scratched I was supposed to scratch the film as I was using the loader because I didn't know how to use it properly but anyway they're, they're really good and Claude uh, makes a couple of comments Claude Rains and he said I could get 44 frames packed in one cassette without overwinding it tight. This saved on last lost leader frames, which was about 27 extra frames on one roll of film. It does save money if you buy 100 foot rolls and get 22 rolls of film out of it. I buy Pro Film for $65, which comes out to about $3.40 a roll. Hi, and I say, hi Claude, great tip. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great comment actually, Claude, and the fact that if you are into film photography... Um, then black and white film for well it doesn't necessarily have to be black and white film for even colour as well buying your, your film in bulk on 100 foot rolls definitely makes it cheaper and if you can avoid losing some of that film to, to leaders um, because that's the bit you've got to cut when you're making your, your cartridges then, then that's good and $3.40 a roll for professional film I don't know what's that it's about £2.50 um uh, that, that is really good and remember there is a massive difference in film 
you know you can get your your your, your film from Poundland or on the internet for an expired film for a pound a roll but you get a really nice uh, expensive um I don't know what what would it be Fuji color film or a more expensive uh, Fuji black and white or Kodak black and white or Ilford black and white films. You know a brand fresh, brand spanking new fresh roll of film. You know you can be expecting to to pay you know four pounds, three, four pounds, five pounds each for those, um, which I guess is probably ten dollars in in America. And so bulk loading you can you can save a lot of money, but just obviously bear in mind that it does take it is a take a bit of a knack to do. Um, and you've got to be a pretty committed film shooter. Um, and then Claude also goes on to say, um, I'm wondering if XP2 can be set for 200 speed like Delta 400 and still give high contrast negatives. I'm thinking of buying 10 to 20 rolls just to see what results I can get from it. The reason I ask, I see developing tables for it online at 200 speed C14 process with not filter adjustment added. So, XP2 is Ilford's um, black and white film that's developed in C36. Is it C36? In in color uh, chemistry, basically. So, although you shoot it and it comes out black and white, you you take your film to your local Boots or Walgreens or uh, ASDA or Walmart, and they'll develop him in develop it in with all their color film as well. So it's very very simple to use. Um, and Claude is saying, well, if you if you set your camera to make it think that it's shooting ISO 200 film, you know, what will happen? And I reply, interesting idea. It might be worth trying. You may find that if you develop it at a lab, the negs will be overexposed because you're shooting at 200 when the film is actually 400. So it's going to get twice as long as the exposure. But then the technician might try and bring them back when they scan them for printing. So what would normally happen is it will go through the colour machine and the, the negs will come up overexposed and then they scan them through a scanner which then converts them into a digital because then the prints are printed out digital. That's how it works at, at colour labs. Um, and so as they're putting them through they may well see the fact that these are all um, overexposed and then you know dampen down the exposure on them. Um, so yeah, so it could have an interesting effect. Obviously if you're going to use C, C40... Oh, we know it's just it's C forty one, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know. It's definitely worth a go. I I would definitely worth a go and see what happens. The beauty with film is that digital will never be able to emulate it because there's so many different random things that can go on. You've got the age of the film, how it's been stored, the temperature of the film. You've got the camera. You've got the lens. Um, you've got the, the 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 chemistry how old or how new is the chemistry that it goes in how long is it done for is it what's the temperature of the chemistry all these things go into every single roll of film can be slightly different obviously this was a big bugbear to professionals back in the day because it was very difficult to get consistency you know you'd have to spend a lot of money on expensive film and expensive processing to get consistency but for us amateurs where we really enjoy these happy mistakes where film comes out with all these these random things um can be very exciting indeed so experiment you know don't do it at a wedding or a big family occasion but you know get out there and and shoot and and see what happens Okay, another one. Oh, not photography on this one. This was on my Garmin Etrex H handheld GPS sat nav review. Um, if you're into geocaching or hiking, you've probably seen, 
Garmin Etrex e H is out. It's a yellow one, really basic GPS device, doesn't have any maps on or anything. And Funky Fenman says, I'm old school, so still prefer to carry on work from paper. But what interests me is the backtrack feature. How good is it? I, is it good enough to get me out of the poo if I get caught in fog or wiped out by snow? Hmm. Well, the Etrex H is a very, very basic uh, GPS device. It tells you where you are, latitude and longitude, and it can kind of you can follow a track and you can put in waypoints. But there's no map on it at all, um, and you could follow the breadcrumbs back. But again, because there's no map, you'd have to be very careful. So I'd say it's definitely better than nothing, but you would want to practice with it first to to get yourself uh, confident with with what actually the features are. Now the next couple of comments and questions are about the Aperture Amaran Halo LED ring light that I did a review of a while ago. I don't know if I spoke about this on the podcast actually. Um, I got sent this really nice LED ring light. Uh, you've probably heard of ring flashes. Very expensive things but popular in fashion photography and macro photography. Good for dental work, definitely. Um, and then you get the, uh, the the LED ring lights that are a lot cheaper and they look the same but they're a constant light and traditionally the problem with them is there's not enough light in them the light can be a little bit off so it can be a little bit cold um, but Aperture brought out this one that's um, that's much better and Adam says you know you never mentioned that this is a CRA a CRI I think that's color refractive index of 95 plus this is the first ring light I've seen with that I built a flashlight that was CRA 95 plus just for macro work but it's directional and I don't use a tripod so I need two hands. That light is awesome. Well yeah, no you are true Adam. The Halo AHL HC100 LED ring light does have a CRA of 95 which means it produces very good colours. Well the photos you take with it produce very good colours and I really enjoy using it. Um, much better than the cheaper one I was playing around with. Uh, there's no flicker on it when you're using batteries. And uh, it's nice and bright, so uh, yeah, nice bit of kit. And Dave Webber says, Nice explanation, Rob. I got one for Christmas, but I've not used it yet. Also have manual extension tubes, so we'll give that a go as well. As regards flowers, flowers turning, purchase a multi-use rotating platform from you know where for three ninety nine, And the job's a good one. From you know where. I guess that might be Asda or something. Dave, if you know where that is, uh, unless I'm missing something really obvious, then... Um, then that's great. But yeah, a little rotating platform to put your flowers on. What a great idea. And then you can spin them round and take lots of macro photos to your heart's content. The next questions are about the Yongnuo YN565EX ETTL flash. Um, great flash. My go-to off-camera flash, well, on-camera flash with the bounceable head because it's a fully automatic one that, that where the camera talks to the flash and vice versa and you make sure you get great exposure. And Alan's asking... Does the ETTL work off camera with a Canon 7D? I read about wireless communications from the 7D to speed lights. Is this true for the Yongluo or do I need to connect the flash unit to a camera via a cable to get the TTL function when using remotely away from the camera? Any help on this point would be most appreciated. Excellent review by the way, the best I've found on YouTube. Oh, right, brilliant. Well, thanks, uh, Alan. Well, it should work on the 7D. Um, but as well as my new 600D, but I haven't tested it yet. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel over the next month or so, and I'll, I'll have a test. What Alan's talking about is the, the newer Canon DSLRs with a, with a compatible flash. They talk to the flash um, wirelessly. 
but they do it with flash pulses um, and the Yongnu is meant to be compatible with that so you can have it as a fla slave flash that isn't just popping um, off when your flash goes off like a basic slave but it's actually taught the flashes are talking to the camera and back again to adjust exposure um, so very exciting because it stops you having to use radio triggers and things obviously it only really works inside or at close range but I'm going to be testing it and see how we get on and then uh, another guy Mr. 11031994 says is this flash gun compatible with the EOS KISS X5 well the EOS KISS X5 is another name for the 600D or T3i which is the camera I've got and I've used um, my um, my uh, 565EX an awful lot with it and it's you know it seems to work fine okay so finally two last comments or questions and these refer to the um, excuse me they refer to the uh, uh, Russian like a Zorky K rangefinder review um, and Ryan Smith says uh, Wait, I just need to take a drink. Amazing camera. I just received my 4K from eBay a few hours ago. And I got the flu too. Haha. <laughs> Anyways, what kind of film do you recommend? How about a black and white ISO 400 as a starter film? Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely go for something like that. Nice and fast. Um, how about Ilford's XP2 Super? Um, that's black and white and you can get it developed at a color lab, like I said before. So that would be really, really good. Um, they're great those Russian rangefinders again look for one if you're getting one look for one that looks worn because if it looks like it's worn it probably means that it works um, where the ones that are really minty probably didn't and to finish off Piero Spitz uh, Pure Out Spitz says hello nice video thanks but there is one myth that bugs me massively Soviets never took anything from Leica or lights factories while they indeed took machinery parts and engineers from Zeiss Contacts 2 giving birth to the Kiev family and Jupiter lenses, the Soviet Leica copy business is older, pre-war, because they were using unlicensed copies of the Leica 2, uh, the famous Fed being produced in the mid-30s. All Soviet Leica copy developed from this model. Moreover, the Zorki 4K is in no way a copy of a Leica M, well, no, definitely, it's totally different, but an evolution of the fantastic Zorki 3-3M cameras with their one-to-one -one viewfinder, who themselves predate the Leica M by a few years. Render under Caesar, Pierre says. Well, um, yeah, definitely. Thanks for the update on that. Um, I, I love that uh, that Zorky 4K. Great camera. And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. I, I like the idea, the fact that they're similar to Leica's because I don't know, unless I win the lottery, whether I can ever afford something like a... I wouldn't go for a 3. I'd definitely go for something like an M6. I think that's like the classic... I think that's the last of the mechanical likers, isn't it? Um, but yes, anyway. So there we go. So keep those questions coming on the RobinandPhoto.com blog, um, on the YouTube channel, or, or via the email, or, or on Flickr. I'll eventually get round to answering them, answering them because I've got quite a few to go through. I tend to do the last ones first. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll do my best to help out with any photo-related stuff or anything else, to be honest. And if I don't know off the top of my head, I'll look it up on the internet. Just remains to say thanks to Everyday Jones. Uh, they do the intro and outro music for the audio podcast. Thanks to everybody on Flickr for taking part in the photo group and commenting on the Um But most of all, I'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast or watching uh, the video. And hopefully, pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr.